Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence. Lord, we thank you for these times we're in. We thank you, dear God, that this is the separation judgment when, dear Lord, you're going to save your people and deliver them from the evil that is around us at this time. Lord, in the last message, I talked about the teaching of Moses and your law. And Lord, there wasn't a big response to the audio, which was disappointing. But I understand that the people do not understand the importance of this time. Lord, tonight I would like to give clarity to that message a little bit. And I'd like to give a better understanding of why this is so important at this time. Lord, you tell us in Isaiah 21, 10 to 12, that the... When the morning of the day of the Lord rises, that it's going to rise, the night is going to continue, and the day. And dear Lord, this is very, very important, because dear Lord, that's a covenant, meaning that you're going to separate the people of the darkness away from the people of the light. And Lord, you made a very interesting ruling, and you tell us in Revelation 12, dear Lord, the The devil is trying very hard at this time to overcome us. And people do not understand what he's trying to do and why he's trying to do it. And dear Lord, I'd like to repeat the wording that you repeated in Jeremiah 33, 19 to 22. Because it explains to us why the Pentecost is so important. And it explains to us why this Yom Kippur is so important. This is the time of the morning of the day of the Lord. I've explained it over and over. Dear Lord, I've just been shocked, dear Lord, for 14 years that the message of your words were not interested by the church, by the people of Israel, by any of the church, by the shepherds. And they not only didn't like it, Lord, they mocked it. And the people did not take time to, to search it out. And if they searched it out, it was with great scoffing. Lord, I pray that we'll understand, dear God, you said the kingdom of God is within us. And dear Lord, your kingdom of God comes by the words because all things are made by your words and are lasted by your words. And you told us, dear Lord, in John seventeen seventeen, that we must be set apart from those of the world by your truth, which is God's truth, you said, which is God's words, you said in John seventeen seventeen. Lord, I pray to begin to understand that importance. Because, Lord, if they don't understand that, then they're not going to be able to stop the the devil from accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. If we do not let the sun rise, if we do not let the bridegroom come from his chamber, dear Lord, we will fail and it will break the covenant that you've made with us. And, Lord, I'd like to explain that. Lord, you told us, dear God, that we must allow the bridegroom to come in Jewel 2. 12 to 20. We are responsible for allowing the bridegroom to come. If they read that text from Joel 2, 12 to 20, they will see that we must be sanctified. 
Dear Lord, you told us that we must be sanctified by being set apart from the world by your words in John seventeen seventeen. But dear Lord, we must be sanctified and we must allow the bridegroom to come and let the bride come from her chamber. And Lord, the people do not understand that this goes back to a law that you gave in Jeremiah 33, 19 to 22. It says there, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day and with my covenant with the night, so that there will be not, not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, and my ministers, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand, sand of the sea measured, so, I, so will I multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. We must understand that we must set ourselves apart from the world at this time. Because what you've said here is, if they can break, if the devil can break his covenant with the day and with the night. Dear Lord, I told the people in 2013 in September that the last hour of the night has come. Dear Lord, the time when they're supposed to be ready by the break of the morning to be set apart. But Lord, the morning has come and the night continues. And Lord, all through the last 14 years, you've been ready every year to come. And to bring forth the day, bring forth the light, and bring forth the bridegroom. But Lord, they would not hear you. They would not receive that message. And they mocked it and scoffed it because the war didn't come. But Lord, they do not understand that the word comes, the war comes with the separation judgment. Because that's what the war does. It separates those people who are of the light and of the darkness. And Lord, we must be ready for the war because you told us, dear Lord, in John 5.24, that if we will hear your voice, which means to discern your words, and believe in the promises of the Father that was the good news of the great works that are enabled by your words that were created from before the foundations of the world for this time. And Lord, I pray they'll begin to understand this truth, that they'll really meditate on what I'm saying here, that they will be able to discern the gravity of the situation we're in. Because, Lord, what it says in this verse is, if the morning comes and the day will not be set apart into the light, in other words, if his elect will not set themselves apart into the light, then the devil will win the victory because it will mean that the night continues without punishment. Dear Lord, you said there would be a separation judgment. The separation judgment must come with the harvest. Dear Lord, there's prophetic words that are pouring out these days, even one today. Dear Lord, it says, destruction is unleashed. It says, I have told you the work of my kingdom is to bring in this final harvest of souls. Bring in this final harvest of souls. You might find these souls on the pews at your local church or singing in the choir. They are in your men's clubs, women's clubs, performing good works. Some may speak my name, but have no belief in me. Lord, as people that speak of your words, I'm going to quote, stop quoting that prophecy now. Uh, dear Lord, as many speak your words, they don't know what they're speaking. They do not know the knowledge of your words, how to speak your language. Tonight, dear Lord, I'd like to talk about this from what we were talking about with Moses coming down from the mountain with the knowledge of the law. Lord, I'd like to speak about that law and let the people understand the deeper meanings of it and even go back to Genesis Dear Lord, the, the first day, the creations. Dear Lord, and what 
you said on that time. And I'd like to give the people a warning. Dear Lord, that I believe you're showing us that we better grab a hold of and we better get it tightly because, dear Lord, if we do not get it, we will not be prepared for the millennium. Lord, I pray they'll understand this because you show us this concept all through the Bible on the seventh day and the millennium is symbolic of the seventh day, the work in it. Lord, I pray they'll understand it. Dear Lord, all the work of getting the knowledge of truth must be done before the millennium comes. Lord, we're not ready. We do not have the knowledge of truth and we're not ready to enter the millennium, which means we cannot be saints. But not only that, we'll be of the darkness because we'll be of the lukewarm church that do not know the law. We don't understand the law. And Lord, I pray they'll understand it. Lord, we're not trying to take them back to the law, the Old Testament. That that law never changed. You said, dear Lord, you never came to change any of it, but to fulfill it. And Lord, I pray that the people will begin to understand what you're saying. And they'll understand the gravity of their situation at this point. You warned us, dear Lord, in John 12, 48, that the judgment of this day is going to be by your words. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 10, that we are either of the day and the light, or we're of the night and the darkness. And Lord, you told us in Luke 21, 34 to 36, you warned us that at this time we'd all be caught in a snare, that we're living in the darkness and we're not in the light, which you told us, dear Lord, in the law of knowledge. It's in Isaiah 28, 9 to 13, that if we are not able to hear your word, dear Lord, and receive your knowledge, our statutes, your law, dear Lord, then we will come and we will stumble and fall backwards that we'll be caught. But dear Lord, if we will receive it, we will receive the rest, which the millennium time is a time of rest. But dear Lord, I pray that we'll understand what that means, dear Lord, in the gravity of what we're failing. And dear Lord, we pray they will not wait, dear Lord, because this is the winter season of correction. Dear Lord, it's just like the night continues for the night of darkness is continued into the morning because the people have not turned to receive the light that is the sun of righteousness rising. Dear Lord, that light is the entrance of your words. It gives light, that gives understanding to the simple. If the people had understanding, they would understand the king and the kingdom. Because you said, dear Lord, when you were on trial and the people looked back at the people of they look back at the people of Israel and they condemn the, the priests and so on, but we're as guilty as they are because, Lord, in that day they did not receive the message of your words. They did not understand it. And, dear Lord, we do not understand it this time, and I pray, Lord, that they grab a hold of it because we're about to suffer the same fate if we do not turn. Dear Lord, it tells us in John eighteen thirty seven that in that trial before Pilate, he said, are you a king then? And you said, yes, you say rightly, I'm a king, but the people of this time don't believe me. That's what you were saying, basically. You're saying that they do not hear your voice, so they did not separate themselves apart from the world. Not even your disciples were there. Dear Lord, there were some that came in curiosity. There were some, dear Lord, that came even in the crowds. But dear Lord, they flee because they did not have the strength of the word yet until you returned to them and breathed on them the Holy Spirit so they could receive and the interest, in other words, the spirit of truth can only then enter those set apart from the world. And those people, when you came back to them and set themselves apart in that room and they were seeking, what did we not know? What did we not answer? Why didn't we understand what's going on? And they were afraid. 
But dear Lord, you came to them because they had set themselves apart, because you'd washed their feet. They were kept to that day. You'd spoken the word. And then, dear Lord, you opened those words that you'd spoken to them while you were with them, and then they could understand. Then they began to understand there's words that are set apart, made holy by God with the full measure of spirit inside of them, which is what it says in John 3.34. Dear Lord, when you go back, dear Lord, in the time of Moses coming down, we talk about the law. And Lord, I'm wanting to go back right now and just make a, a point on Jeremiah 33. Dear Lord, the people do not understand that we have to be set apart by the light, and the light comes by the entrance of your words. You are the Son of God. You are the light that comes into the world, and you give us the key to unlock the works of righteousness that God has prepared from before the foundations of the world, that when we speak to you, it's the knowledge of truth, which is knowledge of of the words, the language, dear God, that unlocks these pure words that have, dear Lord, in them the good news of the promises. Lord, you gave us, dear Lord, I told them the last time in a message, and, and that message with, with the teaching, dear God, is of the timing, dear Lord, of, of um, Moses speaking. And dear Lord, I'd, I'd like to dwell on that moment. Dear Lord, you said you gave him the stone tablets and the law and the written engravings, which is the way of your instructions. But dear Lord, the law is an oral law. And dear Lord, if the people would pay attention, they could go to the wording, dear Lord, in Exodus 24, 27, 34, 27, I'm sorry. Exodus 34, 27. And again, dear Lord, we come to one of these problems because the people do not understand the words. They mistranslate the Bible from what it literally says. Because dear Lord, if you go to a literal translation, of Exodus thirty-four twenty-seven, we get a different translation than the normal Bibles. Dear Lord, if we go like read uh, King James Version in this case, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, write, down, write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. But that doesn't say something very important that's left out, and we'll go into that in a minute. And dear Lord, it, it, the same thing holds true in the in, uh, New King James Version, the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, and the NLT. These Bibles all translate this and leave out a very major statement. The interlinear Bible at least puts it in in a correct way, and it's extremely important how it is written in the Hebrew. It says in the interlinear, it says, And Jehovah said to Moses, Write these words for yourself. Now remember, God wrote the instruction of the Ten Commandments by his finger on the tablets. But he's saying, right, for on the mouth of these words, I will cut a covenant with you and with Israel. What we're talking about here, these are the words that Moses was given that the oral law. Now, Moses was allowed to make notes to himself he could not speak these words because if you pay attention to the scriptures, it tells us very clearly, like in Second Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, it says there that these words cannot be uttered by those of the world. He cannot put into law, into written law of the, of the Bible, these words. 
they are to be taught from generation to generation. And the Lord keeps drawing and bearing witness because the entire creation bears witness to his words. And he tells you throughout the Bible, all the words are explained in there. But you have to read it and discern it and hear it because it's the oral law. And it's not the Tama. You know, people talk about the Mishnah and the Tama and these things that were written after Christ. And you have to understand they knew there was an oral law. But the kingdom of God, which is the words of God, was taken away from them in Matthew twenty-one forty-three and 44 and given to a nation, the Gentiles, that would be given when the Father began the day of the Lord and caused his words to be heard again, which is what it says exactly in Hebrews ten twenty-six to 27 when he says that the day of the Lord, the knowledge of truth will again be received. And he tells us at the time of the end, the words will be opened again in Daniel 12, 1 to 4, and in verse 4, and understanding will increase. What happened when Jesus came to the upper room, breathed the Spirit upon the disciples after he had walked with them for three and a half years and he didn't get the knowledge of the words? He then breathed upon them and he says, These are the words that uh, I spoke while I was with you. And then he was able to cause them to understand the scriptures because without the knowledge of the words, you do not have the key to unlock these wonderful scriptures that give you the promises of God and how to enable the good works. So what we have here is a problem. In this thing, it's saying, write these words for yourself. For on the mouth of these words, I will cut a covenant with you and with Israel. And the key words here, will cut. I will cut with these words. If these people receive these words and do them and keep them, see, the majority of the laws... When Moses went up to Mount Sinai on the first time, the Lord gave him the, the instructions on the on the cabin, uh, of the ark, of the, uh, the tabernacle, the ark of the covenant, and all these things. He again gave him more knowledge on these things when he went up the second time. But the key thing is he's teaching them the words and the ways of the words, and being doers. And when Moses came down from the mountain, he was able to explain these words because everything God does. All his works are done in truth, which truth is the words of God that, or the oral law of God. That You don't see a list of the words. You have to read the scriptures and discern them. He says, all those who hear my voice. If you listen to him in Proverbs 1, verse 23, he tells you very clearly there that if you will turn to me, I will pour out my spirit on you and cause you to know my words. Means they're not in the scriptures so that it's plain Jane that, okay, here's word one, here's word two, here's word three. No, the spirit of truth guides you to understand them. You're getting this exactly in Exodus thirty-four twenty-seven, And the problem is that people have changed the Bible. They have changed the, the original text to translations because they didn't have the words. It's like the Talmud and all these things didn't have the words. And so they've come up with these oral laws and they tried to write them down which is exactly what you're not supposed to do. At this time, you can guide the people and you can write them, but God is going to verify his words on your heart and he's going to clarify all the words. And he will make sure, because we're coming in a time of the fiery judgment where he's saying in Hebrews, 20, uh, Hebrews 10, 26, 27, if we have willful sin, we're going to receive the punishment of God at this time, his wrath. And willful sin is to not hear him. Willful sin is to go on with traditions that are not doctrines which he scolds us into not doing. The disciples tell us this. Paul tells us over and over, get the knowledge of truth, but we will not receive it. 
We rightly divide the word of truth. Do you? We not. This is not. When we see the scriptures and then modify it, that's not doing it right. It says, I will cut a covenant. We've got to do the best we can to do it right. Not translate a modification based upon a tradition. Jesus gave us. That's why we can't get the words. That's why Jesus came to them in John eight forty three to 47. He says, you cannot understand my speech because you cannot discern my words. Jesus was teaching the scriptures. If the words were in the scriptures, you say, go back to Exodus, whatever number, and read that word and list and, and then translate what I'm saying. No, the Lord makes known his words. He wants to write his words on our heart. The stone tablets, he's always putting them into two stone tablets. Why two? Even at the end, he, has, he talks about his two witnesses are always there. See, the two stones, is he, by the witness of two, Moses' law was made. The Lord and Moses. The witness of two. And the witness of two is the stone has the words in him. Jesus had the word in him from the beginning. The Father planted it him. From him he gave it to Moses. It's the way of us. We're to give it to the next, to the next, to the next. We have to teach his words in the house. And God will cause us to know his words if we will seek him for the knowledge of his words. See, what I say, the, the right reading of Exodus thirty four twenty seven would read this way. And Yahweh, Y-H-V-H, the word that God does not sounded said to Moses, inscribe these words for yourself, for on the mouth of these words, I will cut with you a covenant. See, he measures out a covenant. How is the knowledge of truth given? How is the knowledge of God given? Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. He doesn't give it in a download. I will cut with you. I will build with you. I will measure with you a covenant. I will continue to increase the knowledge within you so that you can understand my ways and do the greater works prepared from the foundation of the world. I will cut with you a covenant and with Israel. Jesus did this. He came, gave his blood on the cross, paid the price. That blood dripped down onto the ark of the mercy seat that was hidden below it. And from that moment on, the temple veil was torn. And we were able to come into the holiest of holies and receive the knowledge of the words of God, the knowledge of truth. Psalms 33, 4, all his works are done in truth. And in Psalms 119, 142, his truth is law. And then he tells you in Psalms 119, 142, that all of God's words are truth. He says the entirety of your words are truth. So he's talking about his words that he set apart as holy. And he gave us the example in John 21 of 153 great fish. And he said, take some of those fish, go feed my people. You think he's going to tell them to take something else besides the symbolic of his words to go feed his people? Because it's the food of the kingdom of heaven is the knowledge of his words that gives us. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, he didn't need water and bread or anything else. He had the word being fed to him and he came down glowing that second time. When he came down, he was filled with the knowledge at that time. He'd gotten a better understanding because the way of God is you grow every time you're meeting with him. Because what the Lord is doing is when he got him that second 40 days, it's like the words of wisdom growing. And he, he came down and he was lit up every time. And he would teach them. And he came down and taught them. He taught them the oral law, which is the way of the words, which if you understood the words, you would understand all these funny laws that are in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and so on. 
these laws that people can't understand in Deuteronomy, these laws of things like why you put a border around the top of your roof of your house, why do you put his words on your doorposts, why do you do these things? And the last time when I was on the audio, I was I was uh, talking about uh, the Levites and what Moses told them to kill one another. See, when when Moses did that, he had the law of the Ten Commandments in his hand. I mean, he he, had, he knew them. He had the instructions of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, we can consider them law because they teach us the way to be doers of these words that are the law of God. His truth is law. His truth is when you do them in the ways, see, doing them in the will of God, in the way of God, which is the way of the Ten Commandments, and doing these words, which is the foundational law. In other words, these enable, when you do them with the, with the will of God, in other words, we speak these words and within the will of God, we know that what we ask is going to be done for us. First John 5, 14 to 15. John 5, 15, 7 tells us, if we follow him, and abide in his words, then what will happen? Everything we desire be done for us. See, there's, when, when we think of work, for example, there's something interesting about work. When you go back to Genesis and you, you think about the word work, the Lord, in Hebrew, there's several words for work. It's just like love in the, in the, in the Greek Testament. You have so many different words for love, the way of love. But in, in a Hebrew language, you have several words for love, and two of them are Abadah and Malachah. Now, Malachah is an interesting one because this is the one that the Lord uses very interesting on, in Genesis 2.2. He says, On the seventh day, God ended his work, which is Malachah, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, Malachah, which he had done. Now, please understand and, and understand, he goes on in the next one, and he says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Sanctified it, made it holy. You don't do any work. And it's like the millennium. And what I'm afraid of the people understanding the millennium is always God has shown us on the seventh day you rest, you do no work. And he tells us in Malachi 4.2 that when the Lord is coming, the Son of Righteousness, it shall be that they'll be like stall-fed calves. And they'll go out. But understand what the God is saying. It's very important for us. Is It's like in the parable of the ten virgins. They, they're asking, some of the people are saying, you know, give us some of your oil. You know, give us some of that knowledge. You don't need all that oil. You don't need all these words. Give us some of it. Give, teach us out. And he says, no, because we may need this ourselves we don't know see in the millennium you're supposed to have all this before you enter it that's the wonderful thing about the rapture event but you will not go up in the rapture unless you set yourself apart from the world and been purified made white and refined then you're going to go up in the presence of god and what do you think you're going to do in the presence of god with a harp he's going to teach you the knowledge of those words you can be the presence of god on the great sea a crystal sea it's it's like a you're going to be knowing everybody's going to be fed the knowledge, but first you got to be this because we're going to need that knowledge through the millennium. We have to get it before the millennium. The law of God is you get it in the first six thousand years, and at this time he he doubles it right. Well, what he's doing right now is he's coming to make known the full measure of the seven spirits of God that we can have that right of God to enter us. See in John fourteen fifteen to seventeen it says the spirit of truth. The spirit of his words cannot enter those who are not set apart from the world. 
So you may think you know the words, you may think you know all these things, but if you don't have the spirit of truth in you, it will not stir up the way of doing the good works. And there's a difference. You can have the words, but if you don't have authority to speak the words, you have no words. You just you have some knowledge and something. It's, it, you're missing the boat. You've got to have the authority of God to call upon his words, call upon his name. That means you have to walk humbly before him, and you have to do good for others. If your desire is to do good for others, remember God ruled that you do not have vengeance. He has vengeance. Vengeance is God's. But we do the way of the good works. Because if we do the way of the good works, we judge the people. It's like when I was trying to point out with this thing with Moses and the Levites. They didn't have to walk through. I, I think I said they had to walk through every door of the, the people. And when they did that, the people would be judged. See, the judgment is by the words of God. They had the sword along their side. That's telling God what they desire to have done. They want the spirit of truth in their camp, and they don't want anything else. And they want everybody that has a desire to follow God to be that way. And those who had an anger and a vengeance of God died that day. Because when they went through the doors of those, they judged the people. And God struck down about 3,000. Which interestingly, at Pentecost, he added about 3,000 on that day. Almost like replacing them. But three, see, a thousand is a symbolic of a pillar. That's the number of the pillar. Three is the spirit of understanding. So if they were rejecting the words of God, God said he will hold them into account, Deuteronomy eighteen nineteen. If they will not hear the words and, they, and not even receive the message of the words, he's going to hold them into account and they're going to be cast out. It's just like he said he's going to do to the lukewarm church. If they will not uh, bow themselves down and, and realize that they're blind and naked and wretched before him. Remember the guys in Matthew 7, um, 21 to 23, it's telling you there that these people loved the Lord. They believed in the blood. They, they cast out demons. They prophesied. Surely they were you know, thinking that they were holy. And God is saying, depart from me. You work as a lawlessness. See, they were getting the prophetic word when it was available, but the night is coming and in, in, when the, uh, the Lord leaves. See, there's a time when there's a separation judgment in the night. All those who are in the night... See, if, you're, if you've already set yourself apart into the words to do good and bring forth righteousness, you're set apart in the day, and God will grow you, and he will cause you to know their time, and you'll be, you'll be able to receive the words and so on, because God's going to give you light. He's going to increase your light. Knowledge will increase. Knowledge increases. What is knowledge? Knowledge of God is truth. His truth is his words, which enables all his good works, which is what you need to get through these judgment times. Because you have to believe on his voice and believe in the Father's promises of good works. And that will give you eternal life and will pass through the judgments. Eternal life means you're going to go through that in the millennium. You're going to be able to have the words in that time. Because he's going to grow you between now and then. You've got a tremendous amount. All of us have a tremendous amount of knowledge that we must increase in. And refinement that we must go through at this time. This is the year of the morning. I, I've tried to... You know, I said back in the in 2013 in September was the beginning of the last hour of the day of the Lord, the last 42 months of the night of the day of the Lord before the morning came. And back in September 13th, what did you hear them saying? They had the UN meetings here in the U.S. and they were shouting out peace, peace, global peace, all these things. It's interesting that in First uh, Thessalonians 5, it says when they say peace, peace, 
And you know what they're doing? That was the first big call for peace. United, the Pope came to the UN and all that. And now this week, this week that we're having now, right now, this very time we're in right now, what is happening? They're going to do that same thing. Uh, Trump is going to, to, and this is all organized by the Crown Trust, but Trump is going to, is Saudi Arabia, he's over there and he's yelling, peace, peace. Oh, we're going to make peace. We're going to bring forth peace. They're talking peace. And then he's going to go to Israel. Then he's going to go to Vatican. Then he's going to go meet with NATO. And then he's going to go to the G7 summit. All this is this big peace thing. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. But this is when he says peace, peace. Then suddenly the troubles come because of exactly what is going to happen. See, we're in this time right now where God is, I told you, Jeremiah 16, 14 to 18. The Lord is telling us there that he's calling forth his fishermen. Fishermen are disciples. They take the fish and go feed his people. John 21. They're just like that. I'm going to make you fishers of men. They're going to bring forth the words of God so that the scriptures that the people have inside of them, they'll begin to see the knowledge of the words and be able to understand the scriptures, understand what God is doing, and understand the power that overcomes the world, the power that they can't touch, that the world cannot overcome. And see, what's happening now is this peace is coming. Let me just summarize the timing here. We we got until uh, June 13th, which is uh, the day that I believe that Moses went up uh, when the Lord uh, um, came down to the people from Mount Sinai. Not Savan, excuse me, Savan. Uh, it's June 13th, but it's Savan 18. Savan 18, not Savan 6. Savan 18 should be the day that the Lord spoke upon the people and tried to get them to receive his words in their heart. The fishermen, the people who are desiring to be disciples of Christ, are going to be those who have the knowledge of truth, just like the Lord says in in the book of John. My disciples have truth, the knowledge of truth. Those who set themselves apart by truth, by the law, by the words of God, are his disciples indeed. They are the fishermen of of Jeremiah 16 that he's talking about. From that point on until Pentecost fully come 40 days later is going to be a very interesting time because I think those fishermen who should be preparing themselves now to receive the word of God in their heart and the spirit, stirring them up. That's when the great earthquake should come. The earthquake is not like an earthquake in the world. He's talking about an earthquake in your soul, stirring up the people and their particles. I gave you the thing about the two witnesses in Revelation 11. The interesting thing about them is they are killed, and then the Lord stirs them up from heaven, and they rise up. And what does that really symbolize? See, God is the Lord of hosts at this time. We are to declare him the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of righteousness. This is the Lord right now. He's coming as the Lord of hosts, the, the righteousness. He's bringing forth righteousness on all the earth, which means the authority to do the words of God by those who will set themselves apart in truth. They will be able to call upon him, call upon the words, and God will answer. If you go to Revelation 18, it tells you that the saints' prayers are answered. If you go to Revelation 19, 1 to 10, it tells you the saints are those who are set apart into the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're eating the food of the kingdom of heaven, which is the words of God. The bread of instruction that's coming down from heaven, which is the knowledge of the words. Their prayers are being answered by God in Revelation Revelation 8, 1 to 4, it's telling you that because the prayers of the saints are being accepted by God and lifted up with great amount of incense, which means they're going to be performed. They're a good smell to the Lord, and he will perform them. 
and that's the good works of the saints. And the saints are those who are set aside of the elect, who set themselves, the elect that set themselves apart and become saints by putting on the righteous acts of the saints, which you cannot put on the righteous acts of the saints if you do not have authority to call upon his words. Remember the people in Matthew seven twenty one to 23, they're lawless because they would not receive the knowledge of the words of God, which is the oral law. The law that's the symbolic of the stone tablet. The word comes from that stone. And Lord wants to take that stone heart of ours and turn it into a flesh heart that has his words in it. Why is that flesh important? Because see that that sacrifice of the Lord that was given is that flesh. That sacrifice that the Lord gave that tore the temple veil open. That cleansed the temple veil. He gave his body for us. And that's the flesh heart. What he's talking about is we want to have a heart that's cleansed. We want, that's why you're not to tattoo your body. You're not to do anything like that. Do no cutting on it. Do anything like that. Be pure to God. So his word is whole because we want the whole word of God. It's symbolic of the whole word of God. And see, the world wants to end the flesh. That's what the Lord is warning us in Matthew 24. 21 to 22 in Mark 13, 19 to 20. Satan is looking back at Jeremiah 33, 19 to 22, and he's saying, if I can get these people not to receive the knowledge of the words of God that separate them from the world, then I win. And they will never see the bridegroom. They will never see God as their Savior. They will be cast out. And I win. That's what he wants. We cannot allow that to happen. We must rise up and set ourselves apart by truth, by seeking out God, and he will guide you. You don't have to pay attention to the world. They're going to do these things. But I'm telling you, I believe from now until the 13th of June is the calling of the fishermen. And then you got that spirit moving, and there will be more added on to it at that day because there will be people that now want the words written in their heart, and God will begin to write his words within their heart. And they'll begin to guide them. Because Pentecost comes on July 24th, and that is going to be the time of the great harvest. The great harvest, because the Lord is going to shake the word at that time, just like he did before, and the word's going to go out. But between now and then, his fishermen must must get prepared. All those that want to be disciples of Christ must now get prepared to receive the word, the kingdom of God, bring forth the kingdom of God. It comes by the entrance of his words. It gives light. His kingdom is light. God is light. The kingdom is light. And we understand, dear Lord, we want to have you come. We want to have this accomplished at these times. Lord, this word Malachi is a very interesting word. It's, it's, the word is usually translated, they say, as workmanship. But what it means, dear Lord, is in the beginning when you made the creation, you're telling us this was not labor. I didn't have to go out and take a hammer and do this. I did this by wisdom. By the word, it's prepared for all mankind and all the times. And that's what you said and from the beginning and the end. In the beginning was the heavens and the earth. And what you're talking about is this is the plan of God being fulfilled and everything that's prepared is in that. When we do the way of the words for others, for the benefit of the kingdom to come, for the glory of God to be made known, that's doing the work of Melchah in the kingdom. If we wanted to do laborious work, like let's say we're the, we're the people that go in and sweep the floors at the church, or we go in and uh, bake cookies for people and so forth to have parties and everything else, uh, to prepare the Bibles, to take the offering plate up, to wash the candles, to put the, the light on the candles and so on. Those are all typically works. The maintenance works are labor works. Those were Abadah. They're necessary. 
They're absolutely necessary, and everybody should do them. But there's a different kind of work, and that is workmanship that you're preparing the good works, the righteous works, to be good for others. That's why he says in Hebrews 10, 24 to 31, he's telling you, gather together and stir up love and good works. See, Pentecost is the feast, the wheat harvest feast. And we're celebrating at the wrong time. That is when they bring the two up of wisdom and understanding. See, we gave the first one at unleavened bread time. And then uh, at the beginning of the seven weeks. And then at the end of the 50 weeks, we have this great learning period. And at the end of that comes the harvest. And that's when you're supposed to give the beginning of that wheat harvest. And God is going to deliver the harvest if the people have done the work. If the disciples, the fishermen have prepared themselves and going forth and spreading the knowledge, the truth, speaking of it, telling of it. And then what happens? Praying for it to come the power of God to fall because when the power of God falls, the spirit will move and he'll move on all the nations and all the people. And that's when you'll hear what you'll hear is two different sounds. What it says in Daniel eleven forty-three to 45 in verse 45, it says that the king of the north and the north is the walls of the firmament. It's also classified as knowledge of the world. In other words, the king of the world. King of the north means king of the world and that's the queen and, and Rothschild and the devil that runs them. They are ruling over the world and they signed a law, the sea treaty, which gave the ownership to the oceans and all the rivers that go to the oceans to the queen. I bet you didn't know that. But when they did that, they, they made, you know, they're announcing her as a queen. She runs the world, the city. The, the way the world works, the way it keeps its daily activities, that's the city. That's the way of the city. And she is the mother of harlots, the, the, the Babylonian city. She is keeping that city, the people. She controls the way they live. And then the, the king of the north is the one who issues the words. And he is issuing the, the devil's words. He says he, he doesn't report to God. They've made that message known. The Rothschilds have spoken it. They even wear around their neck gold chains with devil heads on it. And they have terrible devilish parties. And they're all Masonic order people. When you consider what they're doing, is they're, they're saying to the people they have no authority. And see, the king of the north, the king of the north in that verse there, it tells you in Daniel eleven forty five, he's saying that he's going to hear news from the east. News from the east is that the Lord has given his words and authority. They're not expecting that. I know for a fact that they're preparing words and a language and stuff that's false, that they're going to bring forward because they're trying to fulfill the scriptures, but they're doing it wrongly. They're using things that they're creating and saying the Bible's in error, it was written wrong, translated wrong, and and some of the Hebrew words in there are are wrong. And they're saying they got it from before the flood, so they got the the real law, and it's the no-eyed covenant law. And they've even changed the law in America to make the no-eyed covenant law the law of the nation, which is not true. It's not supposed to be. It was founded, supposed to have been founded upon the Bible. And they've changed the laws in this and changed and tried to rewrite history in America, our government, our senators and congressmen. It's terrible what our government does. I've testified how the Bush family is in charge of all the drugs all over the world. They're the ones running the drug operations everywhere. And the Clintons are with them. And all these people are with them. They're working on this all together. They're all in it, united, because they want to destroy the health of the people. The Knights of Templar are the people that cause the enforcement of it. They control the, not only the work on the drug cartels and controlling them, but they also control all the mobs. So all of this... Evil stuff out there is controlled, and they all report to the Crown Trust, and the Vatican works with them. 
the Vatican gave a ring to the, lead, the head of the, the Knights of Templar because they have to get the, the, the rings of the 13. So he's one of the rings that's necessary for them to receive as they go up the Masonic order. So that it was given to him by Pope John Paul back in 2001. Now, please understand this. This stuff is going on for a long time. And we have to understand this is all evil. All of it's evil and all of that's against God. And they're all the ones bringing forth this one world order, trying to bring it into the being right now. They have no desire to do the work of the kingdom or allow the work of the kingdom. And so they're making up this language and these words to destroy the people and bring up a new Bible. And I've explained all this so many times. I'm just trying to emphasize it again. We must come out from that. That is not the words of God. The words of God are in the Bible. They're clearly explained within the Bible. You will understand the scriptures as the Lord says in, in Luke, 40, Luke 24, 44 and 45. We must listen to the Lord because he's saying the Old Testament and all the prophets are true. Don't let them change it because he's telling you, and there is the words of God. You don't have to change the writings. You don't have to take some of the Greek uh, Hebrew letters away, which is what they're trying to do. That's not allowed by God. He's saying, the Lord says, do not change it. If you change it, you're going to receive all the plagues that's coming. So all these people that are working on this Edenic's language and all this Noahide covenant or morality law system, they need to understand that they have the promise of Revelation 22 of all the plagues in the Bible coming upon them because what they're trying to do is change the words of God that cannot fail. I told you why Moses had to create that second set of tablets because God put his words in those first two stones that he had made and that's symbolic of it. it cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. He did not go and build us another one. He had Moses repair the breach himself with stones and then he spoke again these words into teaching even greater. But Moses himself by making these stones was putting the words that God had taught him the first time back into these and then going up and God gives additional knowledge because the way of the Lord is you continually increase in knowledge. He's saying day by day his law of knowledge in Isaiah 28, 9 to 13 is statute upon statute, line by line, precept upon precept, a little here and a little there. So yes, he used that and it didn't break the laws of knowledge for that tablet to be broken that way and for Moses to take up a new set and let the Lord inscribe on them. What the Lord did here is he inscribed, He was inscribing for himself these laws. And even if Moses wrote the Ten Commandments on there, the difference is we're talking about the oral law. The oral law is what's not written on the Ten Commandments. Those are instructions of how to keep the words of God that are the law of God, the oral law. And you can see even um, Rashi, the, one of the great scribes, he's... Um, He's saying the comment on this that um, he says these words, but you are not permitted to write down the oral Torah. That's exactly what I'm telling you. See, the, the thing about it is that the, the Jewish scribes and priests know, the rabbis know that there's an oral Torah, but they don't know what it is because they will not humble themselves. I'm sorry, I'm not making fun here. I'm just admitting fact that the Lord is saying that if you read Luke 21, 34 to 36, it says we're all caught in a snare. And we cannot receive the words because they refuse to receive the words of the one shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. He was sent to the world to bear witness to the truth and they, you know, they were, um, they crucified him. But the people all joined in. And the Gentiles have done the same. 
by not hearing his words and not keeping them and not seeking them. And in these last 14 years, they've slammed the door continuously in churches to these words and knowledge of the words. And yet they want to be delivered of what's coming. See, after Pentecost, which is in July 24, you're going to see the war. It's saying right there he's going to come out. It says in, in Daniel eleven twenty four, um, excuse me, eleven forty five, that he's going to come out to, to kill many with anger because he's going to realize that the news from the east, which is the news of the, the word giving to the, the, to the fishermen, in other words, the words of God being received on earth, and then it's going to be confirmed when the, when the news from the north means people of the world, but which comes at Pentecost, when the world people, when the people of the world begin to hear and believe the Spirit is stirring them up, and they're going to receive the words and turn and learn the words, because the Spirit is moving, and it's going to be moving even greater at that point, because God always prepares His way. He doesn't wait to the last minute and say, "Okay, today I'm going to turn the light bulb on." There is going to be a day like that, but God always does the preparation work so that that time will be ready. And then you're going to see after that Pentecost fall when the words are made known, that's the news of the north. They're made known to the world. God's God's going to cause the words to be taken out to the world by his spirit. That's the great earthquake that is called the King Uzziah earthquake. That's the earthquake of not where the earth shaking. It's going to be the particles shaking because everybody's heart are going to tremble. The Lord may blast the trumpet, the, the sounds from heaven, I don't know. But even if he doesn't, I know that he's going to cause this earthquake to come. Because that earthquake is the shaking of the people like he did at Mount Sinai. And that's going to happen because at that time, it's going to happen there. Remember, they heard the great wind come from the east. And the Lord is saying he's going to send the great wind from the east this time, like the lightning from the east to the west. The west is the way of the world that's in darkness. And the east is the way of the kingdom. See, the west is the pit. In the, in the Bible, I explained this in the book of Testimony of Numbers. You can see the design of the creation layout. And he calls the pit and the punishments and the prisons of God all called there of the west. And the east is the throne of God. And the north is the walls of the firmament. And the south is the, is the waters that surround the heavens. And what they do is that's where all his storehouses are kept, as it says in uh, Psalms 1, 104. It tells you that. But read the book of Testimony of Numbers and you'll get much of that knowledge. Uh, from the scriptures. You can interpret it yourself, see what you think it is. But I've told you here that these words of God in Second Corinthians twelve, one to four, um, also he tells you in John ten, thirty four to thirty eight that the word to those whom the word comes are like little gods, sons of God. John seventeen seventeen, the Lord tells us that we must be set apart from the world by his words, by God's words. He that's saying that's we're required to do that. And same thing in Joel ten, uh Joel two, twelve to twenty. John fourteen fifteen to 17, he tells you a law of God is that the spirit of truth cannot enter those who have not set themselves apart from the world by his words. In other words, if you don't have the knowledge of his words, if you don't want to receive the knowledge of the words, you cannot have the spirit of truth enter you to make known those words. It's, you know, it's got to have you first asking, and then he gives you the spirit and causes you to know the words. You've got to set yourself apart from the world. The disciples had set themselves apart in the upper room after the crucifixion. It was a compelling event, yes. But you have a compelling event at this time because the world is telling you war is coming. The troops are getting put in place. And they're also getting ready for the economic total collapse. And also you can see this year that, you know, when last year they saying that they were going to do away with the uh, the private prisons and this year they say no no we're not going to do that because all the federal prisons by the way are owned by s separate contractors it's made into a corporation 
And they're not going to do that. Instead, with Trump came into power in, in, in February, it, the, um, there's reports out the stock markets on all the prisons, private prisons, jumped. Because, yes, they're going to use them. They're going to collapse the economy. They're going to cause it and bring in forth that blue law where, you, you know, when, when they have the economy and they're coming out to collect debts and stuff from people, and if you give them any hassle, they can arrest you. And if they arrest you under the blue law, they're saying the minimum prison sentence is like 10 years. So they're trying to do this just to put people in the camps, put people in the prisons, because the prisons will quickly be filled, and they'll start using the FEMA camps that they've prepared. And I've told you there's gas chambers and stuff like that on that, and people have testified to me of this. Military officers have testified to these things. I've told you this from the meetings I was in. They're going to bankrupt the nation. They're going to bring the war. They're going to take away the sovereignty. It's all a given, and people are walking around like seeing this in the future, and they're not doing anything. But worst of all, we don't even understand the scriptures. We don't understand it. Yom Kippur is the last day of atonement. But if you're not ready before that time, you won't come to Yom Kippur and be set apart. Because what's going to happen after Pentecost, the Lord is saying, when that goes out, when that compelling event of Pentecost comes, those who had the chance to receive the word and refused to do it may not even have an opportunity to receive it if you consider what he's saying in Luke 14, verse 24. That's your last compelling event, I believe. Because it's of the morning and we're in this morning and it's the time of judgment. And God is telling us in prophetic word the kingdom coming, trouble is coming, and you're going to be destroyed if you don't turn. That's, look up the prophetic words of being very close to this. Ignore the ones call, calling for prosperity. They're the same ones that Jeremiah and Isaiah were criticizing and Ezekiel were criticizing. Because these people are calling for prosperity. When I'm telling you it's going to collapse, God's telling you he's going to bring them all to ruin. The world is going to ruin, but his economy is going to, going to explode. But it's not like the economy of the world. It's a separate economy based on the things coming forth by his words. So it's completely different. Uh, this word Malachi, I hope you understand what it means. That's the Malachi, Malachi. That word Malachi means occupation, work, or business. What the Lord is saying, this was his business. What did he tell you in John eighteen thirty seven? He says, for this cause, the knowledge of the words of God, I was sent into the world. And for this cause, to, to bear witness to the truth. And those of the truth hear my voice and set themselves apart from the world. That's what he's saying. But we will not hear him. We will not pay attention. If we're not set apart from the world, we will not be set apart in the kingdom of God at the time of the separation judgment. We'll be cast out. He will spew us out of his mouth, just like he said. So we have to wake up. And he's calling for the fishermen right now. Repeat again. Up until the 13th of June, I believe, is the time for the fishermen to hear and want to be disciples of Christ. At the time of June 13th, I believe he's going to start pouring out his spirit upon the fishermen. Those are his disciples. And he's going to cause them to grow day by day if they will zealously seek him. And by Pentecost, when the power falls, that's the time it's going to go out to all the world. And there's going to be a great revival. and There's going to be a great war. Because Satan is going to come fighting backwards. And he's going to be angry. But he can't do anything until that appointed time. Because he can only match the power of God. In other words, if, if God releases the sevenfold power on Pentecost, then Satan can come against those who reject it with sevenfold power. He can do exactly the same. And when he comes with sevenfold power, I pity those people. He's coming. If you think it's bad now, wait till then. And wait till he's allowed to afflict you with things and trouble you and kill you and, and have you slaughtered with the beheading, beheading of the heads and so forth if you will not set yourselves apart. John five twenty four says, If you will hear the voice of the Lord, believe in the great works of the Father, you will, pass, you will have eternal life and pass through these judgments. 
You won't have that if you will listen to the Lord because you'll have the knowledge. And like those disciples, they just, I mean, like the Levites, the 3,000 of them, they walked through those doors, the gates of the 12 tribes. And when they walked through those 12 tribes, as they walked through, people started falling and dying of those tribes who were troublemakers. And I'm telling you, the Lord tells us that he's going to strike the shepherds first at this time. I pray for them. Because so many have come out very strongly against us. God will keep some to trouble the people because he's going to use them to test them. But there's going to be some that God is going to afflict. Please, please open your doors and open your minds and open your heart to the Lord. Don't believe me. Believe the scriptures. But better search out those scriptures and rightly divide the word of truth because you're going to be judged by those words. John 12:48. I pray that doors will open and begin to receive the knowledge of truth and let us speak it in the churches that the people might hear the truth before it's too late. If you haven't prepared your people for this time of trouble, they're going to come after you when they're being chased and troubled by these people because it was too late to get the words. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to speak with your people. Lord, I pray that this will help them to understand these times that we're in. There's much more that we could say, dear Lord, and speak about like how the two witnesses, dear God, are likened to two stone tablets. They're going to be here, dear Lord, after the rapture, and they're going to be speaking to the people, and they're going to trouble the people by the word of God. Fire is going to come out from their mouths, dear Lord. Dear Lord, just like you said with Moses, dear Lord, write these words for yourself, for on the mouth of these words I will cut a covenant with you and with Israel. But dear Lord, that covenant also says in Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19, if the Father sent you into the world and we reject those words, he's going to hold us into account. And fire is a symbolic of the manifestation, immediate manifestation of the word. Lord, we pray, dear God, that people understand this. We don't want to see that. Lord, we want to see the righteousness come forth, the glory of God, because you'll protect those, dear Lord, who will set themselves apart to you. They'll walk through these troubles, walk through the fiery furnace. They'll walk through the, the bombs, the rest of it, dear God. Nothing will harm them if they will believe, dear Lord. But, dear Lord, they must first humble themselves and come to you for the knowledge of truth. And, Lord, their people doing things foolishly, Lord, with your words, thinking they have authority and power. And dear Lord, they're, they're not going to have that. Dear Lord, we pray to understand, dear Lord, you have to walk humbly before you and do good of righteousness for others. And we ask this in thy precious name. Amen. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.